Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, there's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is Justin Neal with the Average Joe Geek Show. You're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I am Ryan, and I am all by myself. That's because Colorado is in a stay-at-home lockdown. And this episode of Real Nerds is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Thank you for listening. I know that everybody's stuck at home, so we are going to continue to bring you new episodes This week, however, is going to be a little odd because we're all going to be doing our own little segment. And with no new movies coming out because all movie theaters are closed, um, it's going to probably be a shorter shorter episode. And I'm not sure what everybody is going to do. Um, I'm basically just going to tell you what I've been watching. And hopefully I can pique your interest in all the stuff that I've been watching And, you know, I'll also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray because there is a big week of movies on Ultra HD this week. And again, I just really want to thank you for letting us entertain you for however long this episode is going to be. But I'll also let you know that next week we are hopefully going to be able to do a podcast live somehow where we're all going to be recording from different locations and, you know, have some fun with that. Again, hopefully you're safe and everybody's doing well. I mean, the good news is, is we all can watch movies. And what's great about being a real nerd is there's tons of movies to watch. And before I get into the movies that I've been watching, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what's coming out on Blu-ray next week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. And of course, by next week, I mean in like two days. I'm recording this on Sunday, and these are coming out on Tuesday. Of course, the big releases this week are all the new Star... Well, the new Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker, is debuting on Ultra HD. And the complete Star Wars saga is also on Ultra HD. If you want, you can definitely pick up at Best Buy. They have an exclusive huge box set that contains all the movies in one convenient low, like uh, kind of fold out book. I, I saw an unboxing of it, I believe on the Nerdist and it was, uh, it was cool. Um, but you could also buy them individually. And uh, so that's every single star Wars movie. Uh, 
that has not been released on Ultra HD. So that includes Rogue One as part of it. And um, yeah, so all nine episodes now are on Ultra HD. Uh, Criterion has a couple movies coming out. The Prince of Tides, if you're into that. I do have one coming for myself that I have not seen, but I thought it was interesting because I do love Irene Dunn, and she is in a movie called Showboat. So I'll be checking that out. And that is about it that is coming out on Blu-ray. If you're a fan of the Monsters, the Monsters movie, Monster Go Home, is being released by Scream Factory, and that's kind of fun. Um, So kind of a... I wouldn't say not that much this week because the Star Wars is a really big deal. And, of course, um, that will be fun to pick up for everybody. So, yeah, that is what's coming out on Blu-ray. So, like I said at the top, um, this might not be the longest Real Nerds episode, but, again, we really appreciate you listening. Um, So I'm going to just go through uh, things I've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. And uh, maybe it'll spark your interest to watch some stuff as well. One of the coolest uh, Blu-rays that was released last year is the Abacostello 80th Anniversary. It's a box set of their 29 films from Universal. And I've been kind of diving into those because uh, they're really fun. And um, so the, the first one I watched from the set is called In the Navy. It's a service comedy starring those two goofballs and um <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's uh, for an abacostello movie it's pretty fun um they they definitely f- fall into uh there is a formula to these films where it's just them being goofy and then there's some other guy trying to get a girl and there's musical numbers and dance numbers and in the navy's fun um, it's not quite as great as the one they did previously, uh, which is Buck Privates. Uh, but there's still some fun to be had in, in the Navy. Uh, the next one is actually a really fun one. It's called Hold That Ghost. It's kind of a precursor to their monster movies that they ended up doing a little later in the decade. Um, they uh, have to stay the night at this uh, house that they inherited from a gangster who got into a car that they were at because they're service station attendants. And he got in the car and got in a shootout with the police and he died. And one of the stipulations of his will is whoever is by his side when he dies is gets the will to his house. And, uh, and then while they're there, the, the boys are being pursued by other mobsters and there's murder afoot and, there's maybe some ghosts or maybe not. And it's just a, a great showcase for the talents of Abba Costello. It's a really fun movie. Uh, and I also watched Keep Them Flying, which is another service one. Um, and if there's uh, circus performers and one of their buddies from the who flies a biplane in the circus decides to join the service and he brings them along. And yeah, it's... Not quite as strong as Hold the hold That Ghost, and it's about in the same league as in the Navy, where there's still some pretty funny bits in it, but doesn't quite live up to some of their other stuff. Uh, the next Abacostello movie I watched is called Ride'em Cowboy, which is a fun uh, send-up to the Westerns. Uh, they uh, <laughs> they get to a dude ranch, Abacostello, and 
Agostello accidentally shoots an arrow into the heart on the side of a TP. And by doing this, he is told by the local Native American tribe that he has to marry the daughter and he doesn't want to, which leads to a conflict of uh, kind of an old school cowboys and Indians, uh, Western, of course, with the bumbling antics of Abbott Costello mixed in. It's a pretty fun movie, some great bits. And uh, the last Abbott Costello movie I watched is a film called Pardon My Sarong. And this one was really goofy, but I was laughing a lot in it. Um, they're Chicago bus drivers who were on the same bus, I guess. <clears throat> and they uh, they decide to take a dude who's going to be in a yacht racing something across country. And by doing this, <clears throat> they basically stole the bus from the city of Chicago and get into trouble along the way. They get on a yacht to escape the police. <coughs> Sorry. And while they're on the yacht, they um, get shipwrecked on an island. And hilarity ensues. There's some really funny bits in it. Um, some kind of not-so-great <coughs> stereotyping of um, native islanders. But if you look past that, it's still a pretty funny movie. And uh, that's uh, the Abacastello movies I watched. Um, if you've been listening to the show, you know I do like to do um, <coughs> certain actors' filmography. And I started doing Kate um, Blanchett's. Thanks, honey. My wife heard me coughing and she brought me water. That's when you know someone loves you. Um, so, yeah, I've been watching some Kate Blanchett movies and I'll uh, tell you about a few of them. Um, the first one I watched was Blue Jasmine. And uh, this movie's really, really good. Uh, Kate Blanchett stars as this lady named Jasmine who uh, started as a rich woman in New York who fell on some hard times and had to move in with her sister in San Francisco. And the story's told kind of through flashbacks in her life, and you find out that her husband um, basically treated her really bad. Um, she, he was having lots of affairs, but she also has a lot of issues where she thinks she deserves things and you know, maybe not um, the best person either, and she has to learn with the consequences of her choices and um, how it all unravels. It's actually a really strong film. Um, I don't know if I'd like it because I'm not always down with uh, Woody Allen, uh, but it's a pretty fun uh, movie, um, heartfelt. Uh, Sally Hawkins plays her sister, Ginger, and she's really good in it. Um, yeah, it's actually surprised me how much I like this movie. Um, it's a pretty, pretty solid effort. Um, there's some funny bits, but it's more of a drama. Uh, the second film I watched of Kate Blanchett's is called, um, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? And this was released last year and it did not get a lot of, um, praise or a lot of likes by people. Um, and it's actually kind of a fun movie. Uh, in it, she plays an architect who is now um, basically living, uh, I guess you'd say, as a recluse in her home. And um, her 15-year-old daughter, uh, they made a deal with her that she could not get a pony or go on a trip or something. I can't remember exactly how it works out, but she decides she wants to go to Antarctica. And Bernadette and her husband decide that that's okay to do. 
Um, her husband is some hot shot tech guy and Bernadette basically gave up her career after an incident with one of the houses she designed. And it's a really interesting story. Kate Blanchett's really great in it. Um, it's kind of a fun little movie. Um, it, it's, it's better than people made it out to be last year for sure. Uh, I also watched, uh, just a few more things. I watched a couple, uh, just random stuff. Um, Batman versus two face, which is kind of a sequel to, um, the Cape crusaders. It's an animated film that is set in the universe of the 66 Batman. So Adam West and Burt Ward, re- uh, reprise their roles. Also Julie Newmar reprises her role as Catwoman, And it's a pretty fun little movie. Uh, William Shatner is Harvey Dent and two face. And his origin is a little, uh, little, well, when I say little, it's a lot different than uh, what a lot of people are used to. Uh, but it's kind of a cool story and there's a little mystery involved and uh, the mystery is not that shocking when you see it, but it's, it's kind of a interesting take on how it plays out. And, uh, you know, it, it makes you really miss Adam West. And when I was going back and watching, um, the film, I, I went back and did some research and I did not realize that he passed almost three years ago and, uh, because he did this film and, you know, he's on family guy. So he did a lot of voiceover stuff. So he kind of seems like he's with you always. And he's so iconic and uh, legendary that he never really truly goes away and he's always there. So it's kind of nice, uh, to go back and watch that. And the movie is pretty fun. It's, it's just what you'd expect. It's just a silly homage slash sequel to Batman 66. And everybody's in on the joke and, uh, Shatner's pretty great as Two Face and Harvey Dent. I, I really recommend it. I really like The Return of the Cape Crusaders, and I really like this one too. Um, you can't really go wrong. And the last thing I watched this week was, um, you know, when I was growing up, my friend Brandon and I would always go rent uh, silly horror films from Blockbuster, and <clears throat> and this one definitely falls underneath that. Um, it's called April Fool's Day, and it's a fun movie. It's an 80 slasher film where these kids go to uh, an island where their friend Muffy has is planning a getaway with them. And while we're while they're there, people are being killed left and right. And there's a mystery afoot. And who's killing everybody? Uh, I won't spoil it for you, but it's a pretty fun movie um, and how everything shakes out. So there it is. That's everything I watched this week, plus some Blu-ray news. Again, um, hopefully next week we'll have a more standard episode for you. We kind of had to do this on the fly this week because, you know, the whole pandemic thing and everybody's stuck at their homes. Um, But hopefully you'll find some time to spend time with your family, watch some movies. Uh, Just tonight I watched Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade with my little boy. And he loved it because the dude turned into a skeleton in it. So that's pretty fun. Um, I think everybody is recording a segment here. I think even Corinne's going to throw in a catching the classics. Um, Brad's editing it. So I'm going to turn it over to whomever Brad has next up again. This is Ryan. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Hello, real nerds listeners. This is Zach. There will now be a slight pause while you say who the fuck cares. So we are in the middle of quarantine. Yeah. Um, as a result, the, uh, entirety of the real nerds has gone remote uh recording from their respective homes 
Um, I am still in our current studios at Casa de Zac, uh, so my audio quality will sound pretty similar to how it normally sounds on the show, um, that of a whiny, annoying dork. Um, also, how dare I try to give a fancy name to my parents' basement? That is just terrible. It's awful. Um, I can't be smooth. Can't do it. Um, uh, on that front, though, uh, I will say that uh, amongst the things I am missing within quarantine is getting to record with my friends uh, uh, in person. Um, the, the visits that they give each week has been a great respite um, uh, during uh, the time that I've been uh, you know, figuring out my life, and uh, uh, having them in person is always a nice treat. So I hope this uh, entire virus goes away soon, so then that way uh, we can get back to recording with each other and they can uh, make fun of me in person, because uh, that's the way the show is supposed to function. Uh, these three guys are smart and I am dumb, and I and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, on that note, though, um, I'll try to give you guys a bit of, bit of a segment of what I would normally do on the show in a kind of uh, condensed form. Um, uh, except for news and Blu-rays, there's not a lot to report, um, on that front. Um, uh, the big Blu-ray news would be Star Wars is coming out, um, this week and you can still pick it up if you want, uh, along with titles like Showboat, uh, from the Criterion Collection. Uh, that's an interesting title if you want to pick it up because it's the film that basically was the first film to bankrupt, um, and force a, force the selling of Universal Studios from its original founders, uh, to uh, a group of people who would then go to bungle the studio ownership over the years, um, only to be saved by Abbott and Costello and the monster, uh, the monsters and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, check out Showboat. Uh, it's a good film. It's just that it, <laughs> it, it, it wrecked the studio because of how much it cost to make. Uh, but it's a James Whale film, and I think you guys will dig it. Um, it's a musical. Um, uh, and on that front, the only really big news other than, uh, theaters, uh, remaining closed and including China, um, uh, who reopened some theaters had to close them down again. So, uh, there's a big hope, uh, I'm sure amongst the nerds and myself that, uh, theaters will be able to return to operation soon because we like going to movie theaters and, uh, Christopher Nolan did say it best when we should be supporting, uh, these theaters when they reopen and making sure that the employees get proper, uh, compensation and uh, assistance through this time so then that way they can come back and be ready to uh, operate those magical rooms where you sit for two and a half hours in the dark with other strangers and embrace the magic of cinema because that's uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why we all uh, enjoy uh, talking about movies is because we enjoy that experience to some extent or another. Um, but the only other piece of news is that Stuart Gordon passed away. Uh, uh, and uh, if you didn't know who Stuart Gordon was, he directed uh, horror films such as Reanimator and From Beyond. And I recommend if you have a chance to watch Reanimator, now's your chance. It's a it's a fun horror film uh, with Jeffrey Combs playing a Dr. Frankenstein type character and uh, a lot of batshit insanity happening where gore's thrown against the wall and good taste is thrown out the door completely. And it's fantastic. So I would definitely check that out um, if you have the time. Um, but I'll go into what I've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. And um, to be honest, the uh, uh, the majority of my what we've been watching has been um, uh, mainly comprising of radio shows. And 
Uh, normally, I, I don't like to talk too much about old time radio. I know I talk a lot about it on the show, but I don't like to overwhelm. Um, my, uh, my, my segment with that normally because it, it can be annoying to the other guys, I'm sure. But also, you know, not everybody listens to old time radio and, you know, especially before the quarantine, you know, people have their lives and, uh, they don't always have time to sit down and listen to these old gems of the past. But seeing as how we're in a quarantine right now and, uh, the, uh, the likelihood of that changing is very slim for a little while. Um, you may have time to sit down and listen to some of these radio shows. So I thought, um, as part of my what we've been watching, I'd recommend for you five radio shows that I think would be worth your time listening to. Now, keep in mind that these radio shows are from the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. So uh, more, mostly the 30s, 40s, and 50s. <laughs> I don't have early recordings of the election results for the 1925 election. So, um, so, uh, but anyway, uh, just keep in mind the context of their time uh, and try to appreciate them on those merits and not judge too harshly. Although, you know, it, it's a good chance for people to listen to things for the past and then also kind of listen responsibly and kind of determine you know, obviously what works today and what does not work today, because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work today for all the things that can still work. Um, but I would go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and recommend uh, five radio shows that I uh, personally enjoyed listening to. Uh, number five, uh, Our Miss Brooks. Uh, this is a sitcom uh, that started in the uh, late 40s and went into the uh, mid 50s uh, and had a successful run on television as well. But it stars Eve Arden as Constance Brooks, a English teacher who uh, teaches um, at Madison High School, and uh, it's about her misadventures throughout the school, um, trying to win the affection of the biology teacher, Mr. Boynton, uh, dealing with her students like uh, Walter Denton and uh, Harriet Conklin and Stretch Snodgrass. And, uh, Walter Denton, by the way, played by Richard Crenna, who would go on to play uh, the, the, the head colonel in the uh, Rambo movies. Uh, so uh, the Rambo's uh, First Blood, Rambo, uh, First Blood Part Two and Rambo Three, um, <clears throat> so I, and, and it's a fun little series. And uh, Eve Arden plays uh, Miss Brooks, and she uh, basically uh, it was it's a, it was a it was a role that was very different from the normal um, female roles that were given out for radio, let alone film, um, uh, in, in that time period where she was a very independent figure, and um, it, she still falls into similar trappings of. Uh, uh, of uh, how we uh, place stereotypes on people um, in that era. Uh, but she stands on her own as a very independent figure throughout the series. And uh, if you want to listen to, you know, that early version of what, uh, uh, of how that independence could then be shaped into things like Mary Tyler Moore and stuff like that, this is your chance to listen to it. And um, also the comedic genius of Gail Gordon as her principal, Osgood Conklin, is, is, a, is a delight to listen to. He was one of the, funniest funniest comic actors uh who ever lived um number four that i would recommend um is the shadow and you might be asking yourself the shadow but that's a 1994 film with alec baldwin well before um that um happened and i will still defend that film even though it is a mess um uh before that film ever happened uh there was a radio program 
uh, the, called The Shadow, uh, and it started initially as uh, an anthology crime show with The Shadow being the narrator of the show. Uh, but The Shadow character got such a great response from the listeners that uh, the, the sponsors and um, the uh, publishing company that published uh, the crime stories that were in that show decided to create a Shadow character and make him the lead of the show. Uh, and it was first really formed by Orson Welles, uh, who played the role of Lamont Cranston, a man who could uh, have he had the ability to cloud men's minds and uh, uh, fight crime in New York City with those powers uh, alongside his uh, intrepid partner, Margot Lane. Um, and uh, there's there's plenty of episodes that you can go through. My personal favorite of these uh, programs um uh, specifically is in the Orson Welles run because there were other uh, actors who played the role, not the least of which uh, Brett Morrison and William Johnston. But uh, uh, my <clears throat> personal recommendation for uh, The Shadow would probably be The Silent Avenger. It's from 1938 and it has Welles in the role. Uh, and it's basically about a man who uh, is tried and convicted and sent to death row to be executed, and he swears vengeance on the jury, and he's able to execute this by utilizing his brother, who was a sniper during World War I, uh, and he basically takes advantage of his PTSD in order to uh, get the uh, job done, and the shadow has to solve the mystery. Uh, it's a fantastic piece of radio drama that I highly recommend you check out. Um, and just listen to it. It, it. It's a good example of how the shadow really works well for radio and why it's very hard for it to be a visual piece. Uh, unless you, I mean, my personal opinion is you treat it like a horror movie, it would work out beautifully. Um, uh, number three, um, I would recommend The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes with uh, Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce playing the roles of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. And we all know the Sherlock Holmes story. It's, you know, world's greatest detective solves uh, mysteries with his doctor friend um, uh, at 221B Baker Street. Um, the the actors who are involved in this piece, they were stars in the uh, 1939 film The Hound of the Baskervilles and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which came out later in that same year. Um, and Fox, who produced those two films, kind of let the series die. And then so those two actors went on to make radio shows based off of Sherlock Holmes. And then when Universal picked up the rights to Sherlock Holmes, they cast them again and put them in the Sherlock Holmes films that the Universal uh, company did, which was essentially like modern day versions of Sherlock Holmes. So they just basically transplanted him into 1940 to fight Nazis, which is really cool. Um, but uh, the radio show deals a lot with the short stories and um to extent novels that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote. Um, my personal favorite of these is the Bruce Partington submarine plans or the Bruce Partington plans. Um, it's one of their earlier ep episodes and uh, it's based on one of the short stories by Doyle and uh, <clears throat> basically covers the, um, uh, the, uh, the mystery surrounding a, uh, the disappearance of some technical papers for a submarine that could revolutionize naval warfare. And it's up to Sherlock Holmes to solve the mystery. Uh, this is the first old-time radio show I ever listened to, and it's still very dear to my heart, and I love re-listening to it. So I, I highly recommend you uh, check that out. Um, you'll you'll have some fun with it. Uh, number two, um, I would recommend um, Burns and Allen um, or the George Burns Gracie Allen Show. Um, and uh, it stars George Burns and Gracie Allen. Uh, they were a comedy duo, a husband and wife team, uh, where George Burns was the straight man who would deliver the the setup, and Gracie would be the punch uh, would deliver the punchline. Uh, what was genius about Gracie Allen um, was that she was and initially she was a dancer in vaudeville who kind of got into the comedy routine with Burns as they were uh, travailing through vaudeville. 
Um, and her, her, her character's interesting because she, she's supposed to be a dizzy dame, um, who, uh, you know, is, uh, kind of wacky and out there, but the genius of her comedy and the way, uh, she delivered jokes and had writers write jokes for her is that she had a logic about her that made it so that you, uh, the audience were the crazy one and she was the smart one because her logic makes sense to her and it's 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 a it's a small form of brilliance um they originally did a variety hour a variety show format before they moved into a sitcom format where it's george burns and gracie allen playing husband and wife um on radio as they are in real life and um it, they just get into some wacky misadventures usually gracie coming up with a scheme of some sort or um dealing with her um women's club that george doesn't like and what's amazing about it is that gracie always comes out on top like she never rarely if ever is, is she on the receiving end of like uh being like, talked down to like cuz gracie always prevails um and it's a testament to george burns as a comedian too who uh, despite being the straight man, you'd be amazed how much he was able to um, uh, capitalize on uh, on his ability to think on his feet. And it, it's it's understandable when you listen to that, how he was able to transition later in his career to film a film career, which was basically the Sunshine Boys, the Oh God movies um, that kind of reinvigorated his career. Um, so I highly recommend you listen to the Burns and Allen show. Um, it's a fantastic little piece of radio history and you have other character actors like mel blank and bill goodwin and um verna felton in it and it's just a it's just a delight to listen to um and then the final radio piece i would recommend is obviously the jack benny program because why not it's the jack benny program i talk about jack benny all the time um he's my favorite uh radio comedian red alone comedian period um uh, i've loved him since i was a kid i, I don't want to try to you know sell my jack benny love a bunch too much here um, but I would recommend you listen to the radio programs. A good one to listen to would be the uh, episode where Ronald Coleman's Oscar is borrowed by Jack because that's the your money or your life uh, bit that has been famous for years. And uh, it's a good example of uh, not just the Jack Benny character who was basically a, uh, a tightwad, a, a Lothario who was a really uh, had a had a high opinion of himself even though he was, you know, the character is supposed to be like, you know, he thinks so much of himself, but he's clearly just very vainglorious and self-obsessed. Um, not uh, unlike the real Jack Benny, who the real Jack Benny was a very warm, kind and generous man. And so it's a testament to him as a comedic actor as well. Um, and he has a big supporting cast, includes uh, his wife, Mary Livingston, uh, singer Dennis Day, who was the voice of Johnny Appleseed in uh, the Disney cartoon. Uh, Phil Harris, who was in a bunch of Disney cartoons and also sang songs like The Thing and um, uh, The Old Master Painter. Uh, you have Don Wilson, the announcer. You have uh, Eddie Rochester Anderson, who plays Jack's butler. Um, and it was, and he was a, uh, Eddie Rochester Anderson is one of the most fantastic radio actors you will ever listen to because he, uh, had a comedic ability that is unmatched by anybody and his ability to, uh, match wits with Jack Benny is fantastic. Um, uh, and he was, uh, he, it was a revolutionary character that grew over time, uh, obviously because of the changes in society at the time. Um, and you also have a supporting cast that includes people like Frank Nelson, Mel Blank, B. Benaderet, uh, uh, Benny Rubin, all these guys who just deliver on a, on a wonderfully constructed world that really works for radio, um, and the misadventures of Jack and his, 
uh, uh, portrayal of the faults and frailties of mankind and uh, how that relates to us and what we think of ourselves. So, uh, so yeah, I would recommend the Jack Benny program. Uh, and then on that note, I have been doing a Jack Benny film festival. So I rewatched the horn blows at midnight, which I've talked about on this show before. Um, and it's a fantastic little, uh, insane fuck nuttery of a film, uh, just involves gangster angels, uh, doomsday prophecies and a giant cuppy coffee cup climax. So, uh, I would definitely check that out if you have the ability to, uh, find it. And then the only other thing that I wanted to talk about and what we've been watching, uh, in this portion of the segment is uh, the last theatrical experience that I had was with Ryan and Kellen. We went to go see The Call of the Wild at the Alamo before everything shut down. Um, and I recommend this movie. Uh, the the CGI dog has obviously been a consternation for some people. But if you are able to look past that, you will see that there is a sincerity to Jack London's material that is approached in the film. Harrison Ford gives a fantastic performance. It's it's a really good, solid, like, fine film. It's like, it's it's aggressively fine. Um, and uh, definitely worth your time if you have nothing else to watch and want to watch Harrison Ford hang around with the CGI dog or, you know, whatever your whatever your reasons for wanting to watch it might be. But, uh, yeah, it, I think it got a little bit beat up a little too harshly. It's not the train wreck that some people uh, made it out to be. Um, and then I'm going to do my main review on Tiger King. Zach, should people go see Tiger King? Why, yes, I think they should see Tiger King, Zach. Thank you for asking. No problem, Zach. Um, yeah, Tiger King, uh, it's a documentary series for Netflix, and we don't really don't review documentary series on this show, but since we're in our own little segments, I can make my own choices. And um, so Tiger King is the story of Joe Exotic, uh, a man who ran his own zoo out of Oklahoma uh, where he kept a lot of exotic animals and like big cats among them. And his constant feuding with Carol Baskin, who runs a uh, private zoo out of Florida that's uh, labeled as a uh, big cat rescue. That's the name of the organization. And, uh, that's just the constant fighting between these two private owners of exotic animals. And, uh, it, it, where it goes is unbelievable. Each episode is a different twist and turn in the drama of these two people and the people surrounding them, whether it's the people who work at Joe Exotic Zoo, uh, the mystery of what happened to Carol's husband, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, attempt to save Joe, Joe Exotic Zoo over constant uh, lawsuits between him and Baskin. Um, and, you know, you'll never expect what's coming after each episode is over because it just get the escalation goes up and up and up. What's amazing about it is that by the end of the series, uh, they remind you that the real tragedy and the whole thing is actually the fact that these uh, exotic animals and these like these wild animals are being mistreated and being kept uh, in these uh, private zoos and like sometimes to uh, detrimental effect to them. Uh, and that and the real discussion is just like how awful it is that these animals are being mistreated and how they should be in the wild and not being the constant point of bickering between two weird individuals. Um, uh, and so it's a plays a trick because you are kind of distracted by the human drama and forget uh, at points about the actual tragedy of this, which is the, the, the mistreatment and abuse of these animals. Um, so I would recommend this, uh, uh, this, this wackadoo series hands down. Uh, it is, it, it's a fantastic piece of upping the ante one by one by one by one. Like you, you will not be able to shut it off. It is a fantastic piece. 
And so that's all I've been watching this week, and uh, that will end my segment of the show. So now I'll kick it over to whoever's next, uh, unless I'm the last one, in which case uh, this is the end, my quarantine friends, the end. Uh, but if I'm kicking it off to somebody else, you know, you might be hearing Brad talk about how much he loves the Ninja Turtles. You might be talking to, uh, might, might be hearing from James, who will tell us about a Spielberg film that he's seen for the 50th time. Might talk to Ryan, who's, uh, you know, going to listen to some Rod Stewart, maybe DJ a little bit for you. I don't know what he's going to do. Might hear a art house thing from Henry. Uh, might hear a catching a classic with Corinne. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, here's hoping that we find a way to communicate with each other soon uh, so that it's not just me talking into a microphone like a like a sap. Um, I'm, I'm alone, guys. I'm, I'm alone. I, I, we need this thing to end so I don't feel so alone. Um, I mean, I already felt alone, but now I'm really alone. Um, but anyway, until next week, bye from me. Hey, nerds. Brad here, reporting to you from... Our new apocalyptic wasteland, March 30th, 2020. Not sure what day of the quarantine at this point. I've lost track of time. Um, the only the only way I've been able to maintain my sanity is to watch movies, and therefore I have two to speak of for this week's episode. Um, I miss the guys. Uh, this is weird, having to sit here and talk about movies by myself. Um, I've watched a lot of them since the lockdown began. Um, I don't don't even know if they're still alive out there. Um, I'm hoping that they'll send me their emails so that I may um, edit their responses to this week's episode for posterity and let humankind know that there was once a podcast where every week We went and saw a brand new movie and broadcasted that experience to the world. So now I'm doing my part to maintain that legacy. Um, So this week I have for you, uh, I watched, like I said, I watched a lot of movies, but, what, did you hear that? Oh, it's just just the wind. Um, Yeah, I, I have had no contact with human beings for however many days I, I, I lost track. I was um, drawing marks on the on the wall so that I could remember where the normal podcast ended um, and my pencil broke and um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to do um, except keep, keep watching movies. And, and, and this week... I watched um, two movies. The the newest one um, I'll start with was The Wizard from 1989, starring Fred Savage and Christian Slater. Um, I don't think I have ever seen this movie before. I, I thought I did, but rewatching it, I did not remember anything other than the Power Glove sequence from it. Um, and this is not the movie that I thought I had in my head. Um, this is a movie about... I think a kid on the spectrum and he really wants to go to California and he's a half brother to Fred Savage and Christian Slater who are brothers and their family um uh, there was a family tragedy and they were separated uh the father and mother uh the mother remarried and she took the spectrum brother and Christian Slater and Fred Savage 
went with the dad and all they want to do is be a family again. And so uh, once Fred Savage's character finds out that their little brother is going to be institutionalized because he is so unable to relate with, uh, I guess, quote unquote, normal society, um, he decides to kidnap him and help him go to uh, California. Um, meanwhile, Christian Slater and his dad, who's Bo Bridges, um, they go on their own, uh, father-son bonding adventure where Christian Slater teaches them how to play video games. And it was a cool little, uh, it was cool to see the game that they bonded over was the original Ninja Turtles game, but I don't know whoever wrote this or if it was like a split, like in the moment decision, but the game they're describing and how it works is not the Ninja Turtles game, even though you can see it on the screen. Um, there is no key to find. Uh, yeah, so not very accurate. But anyway, um, all, as they try to make their way across country, uh, you know, Chris Slater and Bo Bridges are trying to find Fred Savage and uh, the littlest son. Um, those two f meet up with a girl um, who kind of lives on her own. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't clear why, um, she wasn't with her dad anymore, but she lives in a trailer and she kind of goes around looking for games to bet on. Uh, so they find out that, uh, the littlest brother is really good at video games and they start, you know, becoming like video game sharks. They challenge people at arcades to play, uh, thinking that, the that they're, not good at games, and then they show them up, and then they get upset and run out of town. They follow the circuit all the way to what looks like the Nickelodeon Studios uh, in the Universal Studios. There's this huge video game competition that they travel to, um, and like I said, the, the the event very much looks like the set for all the live events that Nickelodeon had back in the 90s. And so, yeah, they play video games to win, the families bond, and um, it's a weird movie. Uh, not as much about video games and uh, all that as I had, had remembered. It's very much a very specific uh, family movie. So, yeah. Uh, the Shout Factory Blu-ray is awesome, though. It has so many special features. I got a poster with it, uh, cool new slipcover art, so... Uh, I, I think it's still worth the purchase because it's kind of uh, this this movie that people fondly remember from that era, and um, you know it's it's not something I'll be rushing back to anytime soon. But it, it was a cool revisit, and um, yeah. So the last thing I saw because today is March thirtieth, twenty twenty. That is the thirtieth anniversary of the original Ninja Turtles movie, which is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, if you haven't figured that out already. And um, I watched it today with Kevin Eastman, who co-created the Turtles. Um, he did a Facebook live stream where he just kind of sat and watched it with his family and just commented on the whole thing. Um, I found out that his favorite pizza is Hawaiian pizza with jalapenos. So I did not know that. And I don't know if I'll try that because the jalapenos, but I feel vindicated in my love for pizza with pineapple on it. Um, I, I, pizza is a blank canvas. Uh, if you're an artist, you should appreciate that. Um, so, boo to all the naysayers that uh, pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Uh, you know, a, a pizza is 
at the, its base level, cheese and crust and tomato sauce. And um, yeah, you're welcome to add to that as you like. Um, and then the Spirit Ninja Turtles, you know, who have added ice cream and cereal and gummy snacks and chocolate and marshmallows and sprinkles. Um, if you're a Turtles fan, you should uh, follow that philosophy as well. So that's a long way of saying that let me put pineapple on my pizza uh, freely. It is, it is my right as a artist to be able to do that. Um, gosh, I am just rambling now. Uh, the movie, the movie, uh, is what else am I going to say? It, you know, I watched it today and suddenly it's terrible. No, of course not. Um, the, the cinematography is still so like, it just evokes the original comics, even though the original comics are black and white. Like, um, you know, there's just something about the lighting and, um, the costume design, like it's so gritty you know, I, I like the second movie, but it's so much more influenced by the cartoon and everything's so much more vibrant and colorful. Um, in this movie, it just feels like a bygone, like, late 80s, early 90s New York. Actually, it's, uh, uh, since it came out in 1990 and Jason Takes Manhattan came out in 1989, um, it's, you know, the, the, the shooting of those movies, even though, you know, a lot of that is actually on a soundstage, the exteriors are, you know, of New York... Um, you know, for both those movies are probably very similar, um, spaces, uh, visually. So, uh, I think that's a cool little, cause we, you know, at the real nerds, we both kind of like those movies. Um, I, I love the second one, um, the latter, the one I'm talking about right now. Um, and yeah, the, the story is actually pretty mature and the jokes, well, you know, there, there's some references to some, uh, you know, adult characters, uh, like characters your parents would be familiar, familiar with in 1990, and somehow they still, uh, you know, as a, you know, 30 year, um, 30 years later, um, like those references and being an adult myself now, like I appreciate them more, but it's, it's fascinating that, you know, the writers didn't feel the need to, uh, you know, I wouldn't say dumb down their humor, but just like reach, like, reference characters for a, uh, a younger audience as much as they do nowadays. So that's cool. Um, and yeah, just the whole, uh, themes of family, you know, Kevin Easton was talking about how, you know, the, the, you know, the, the first comic is a parody of the Daredevil, uh, Frank Miller comic, um, from, uh, around when they created the turtles and it grew, you know, with each book, it kind of grew as people took it more seriously the story got more seriously, and, you know, by the time they got around to making the movie, it had evolved into, you know, a story about a family that comes from different places, um, and, you know, they're not a family of blood, they're a, a, an adopted family, um, and so he was talking about how it reinforces the theme that families can be um, anything, um, and come from anywhere, which is nice. It, uh, yeah, and then uh, conversely, the Shredder is, uh, you know, like a black mirror. Uh, you know, he's um, trying to build his own family for nefarious purposes. You know, he, you know, he tells all these kids he's their father and gives them everything they want, um, only uh, as long as they do his bidding in return. Um, so it's it's a pretty, actually kind of complex movie. Um, 
So yeah, that's it for me this week. I uh, sent a carrier pigeon across the wasteland to the other real nerds, uh, messaging them to let them know I am available to do next week's, next week's episode uh, together uh, over the uh, teleconference. Um, and as long as they're all still alive, um, I uh, we will definitely be doing that. So uh, here's to next week. Um, stay safe. All right. Um... It's not so hard to survive the apocalypse when you have cases and cases of Mountain Dew sitting around. Oh, hey everybody. Uh, this is James. Um, as I'm sure somebody, you know, more interesting than me already explained, we're all, you know, holed up in our individual houses and trying to figure out what a podcast looks like when, uh, when you can't go out your front door, uh, which is actually... You know, surprisingly, not that hard for us to figure out. So we're getting closer. Hopefully this will look a little, little different next week, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting here in my basement with my laptop and, and my dog and 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 no one else. Um, but I'm doing all right. Uh, it's kind of funny that, you know, it's actually a lot easier for me to be on the podcast when I don't have to leave my house um, than, <laughs> than normal weeks, uh, which is why I haven't been on the show so much. Uh, we haven't actually been to a movie, like I said, on the film explosion last week, um, since like Christmas time. So yeah, it's just a lot harder when you have a, when you have a little one, a little bit that you, uh, you have to worry about. So, uh, but we have seen a ton of stuff. And so for this week's sort of what we've been watching segment here, uh, which is at least what I'm doing for my for my part. Uh, I'm just going to catch you up on all the things that I've watched and the things that are good and the things that are bad. I'm going to speed through a bunch of them and then just highlight a couple of things that I think are really, really awesome that I want people to know about and give some attention to. Um, you know, it's been a lot of time just sitting around the house. Um, and so there's other things that I've watched and, you know, uh, spent some time with, but these are really just the things that I want to you know, draw a little attention to some of the best things that we've seen so far uh, this year, at least my wife and I, um, are on HBO, the the miniseries McMillions and then the miniseries The Outlander. Um, those were both very different shows, but both like highlights of my year so far. Um, McMillions is one of the most fascinating little documentaries. It's not like, it's not one of those like gut punch documentaries like, you know, um, uh, like Three Identical Strangers or something like that. Uh, is that what it was called? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. The one with the three dudes, they're all the same dude. Um, so uh, it's not that kind of like earth-shattering, like, holy crap, how have I never heard this story? You've kind of heard about the McDonald's scam, um, I'm sure. Like, I sort of knew about it. But if you'd asked me to give you any of these details, I would have not known any of this. And I think the fa- the, the story is, like, just absolutely fascinating every beat uh, along the way. Um, so definitely worth checking out. Or, you know, if you're going to wait, like, get a Blu-ray or whatever. But if you've got HBO, go watch that. Um, and then same thing with The Outsider. The Outsider is a, uh, based on a Stephen King story, I believe. I don't know. It just says Stephen King on it. So, ah. Uh, um, but it's... Uh, it's produced and then initially directed by, um, 
Oh my gosh. Dude, this is why it sucks to not have other people in the room. Um, Arrested Development face. Jason Bateman. Um, <laughs> uh, so, like, produced and directed initially by him, and he stars in the show as well. Um, plays Terry Maitland. And basically, he his character is accused of this terrible, gruesome murder. And he says he didn't do it, but they have video footage of him like in the area and he's identified by people, but then they also have video footage of him somewhere else at the same time. How is that possible? Um, and of course it's Stephen King. So magic and wizardry is involved. Um, but it's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. My wife and I called it spooky guy show. Uh, and every week we were like afraid to watch spooky guy show and really didn't want to watch spooky guy show before bed, but also could not wait for a new episode of spooky guy show. Um, so check out the outsider, especially if you like that kind of Stephen King stuff, it's great. Um, I'm going to actually skip ahead and talk about something else tangentially Stephen King related, uh, which is that I finally got through the first season of lock and key on Netflix. Um, I started it, I don't know, right when it came out. Um, and then my wife started reading the book while I was still in like four episodes in or something like that. And I was like, well, okay, now I'll wait, I'll wait and see, you know, we can watch it together. Um, and it's, it's so rough because I adore Lock and Key. Genuinely, Lock and Key is one of the book is one of my favorite things, right? Book, movie, TV show, whatever. The book Lock and Key is just one of my favorite things. Like, I love Lock and Key more than I love, you know, Back to the Future. Or, or yeah, I probably love Lord of the Rings more, but I put Lock and Key up there in those. Like, that is how passionate I am about what an amazing universe Joe Hill created. Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Um, what an amazing universe Joe Hill created. And what a fantastic story he's telling in that universe and how well managed it is as, as a comic book and all of that. So you can imagine that my expectation for the show was, was pretty unreachable. Uh, and I tried really hard to like, you know, keep that back. But um, I, I think they make some choices that are really good and smart and different and they they twist some sh the show in some cool ways. So things that maybe you loved about the book or about the way that the keys work are a little different. I should back up. I mean, I've explained lock and key on the show before, but basically it's, it's a story about this, these kids who live in a house and, and they discover that there are all these magical keys in the house. And if you put the magical key in the correct magical lock, it will do something magical, right? So the first example that comes across in the book is the, if you find the death key and you put it in the death door, which is just a door in the house, but you walk through that door, you will fall down dead and become a ghost and you can fly around and do magical things, right? Um, just a cool thing. The kids all think this is fantastic and fun and they go on adventures with it, but there's also this other menacing story happening in the background. Um, and the show will make some changes to some of the ways the keys work. Um, and then that allows them that frees them from some of their limitations of, of the book, which is great for TV. Um, but then there's also some changes where you, I don't understand why they made them. Um, and I don't think they're as strong, um, from a storytelling perspective. Uh, but it's just a hard thing. They definitely tried to, in the first season, encompass a lot of the beats of the original 
entire run of the of the book but then they they condense a lot of that down and then also leave enough thread so that they can kind of tell a sequel so the stuff that they they don't do in the first season you know they can bring back and do in the second season um there's whole arcs that they leave out but maybe they introduce a little bit of that arc so that even though they've like they're they're gonna kind of tell some of the story out of order so like the kids know a lot more at this point at the end of the first season than they like than they did based on the other plots so anyway i'm rambling but but I, like i think the show is worth checking out i think a second season would probably be fantastic it's one of those things where um i would encourage anybody if you're like i told my parents if you're gonna watch the show make yourself watch four or five episodes there's only nine so it's a tall ask i'm basically saying hey watch the whole thing um but i think you've got to give it enough time that it gets through some of the growing pains of the initial exposition and some of those things that i don't do they think they do really well uh but once you get into like okay there's sort of a rhythm here I, I, they do a much better job uh and this sort of becomes a lot more interesting so definitely i think you should you should check that out um while we're talking about uh, tv shows before i get into movies i'll also say um i watched the end of picard the first season of picard um and I wish that Brad was here. I wish that Brad was not quarantined in a different building than me. Um, and maybe next week uh, when we do this whole podcast, hopefully a little bit differently, Brad and I can rant a little because I'd love to know his thoughts. Um, I texted him after I finished the episode and just told him, I don't know how angry I am yet, but I'm definitely angry. Um, I don't know how much I hate it, but I definitely don't enjoy it. It's a show that I think was very... <laughs> lost along the way um they 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 set up the show so that like you you have these little almost every episode is almost like a little bottle episode where you meet you you go meet one of the characters from the old show or you meet a new character and you spend that episode with that character and then the next episode we just behave as though that character is a long friend of ours and we're supposed to know them and care about them but i don't and yeah, the show sets up a lot of new characters and makes me makes uh, talks as if I care a lot about them and behaves as though I care about them. And I really don't yet. Um, it doesn't spend enough time really endearing me to a lot of those characters. I think Patrick Stewart is great. And I think he, his role is written pretty well where he's, he's not necessarily the most active hero, but he is like this moral voice and moral center to the show where he's trying to, as he interacts with people and as he as he goes on his mission um just direct them towards doing the right thing and i I think that part of it is is really great um but especially like it was kind of like yeah it's where is is this going somewhere and then when you get to the last episode or two but especially the last episode there's so much about there's like these big choices that are supposed to be made and a lot of emphasis put on what what this character decides to do and um i don't give a shit about that character at all and picard has not actually spent enough time with that character for me to believe the relationship you're telling me that they have and so as a result it all just kind of falls apart in my mind um the there's a couple of things that happen uh, in that episode that are shitty um 
there's a there's a major event that happens in that last episode that everybody who has seen it knows what I'm talking about that I think is executed extremely poorly and then backtracked extremely poorly. Um, it's it's appalling how 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 poorly managed that was. That's all I can say. Um, and then there's another character that the same thing happens to that's always also um, you know tied up in this whole thing. And I actually think that that moment is kind of sincere and, and good. Um, so it just, it really kind of twists me in some weird ways. I, you know, look, every first season of a Star Trek show is the worst season. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody who would argue against that. Uh, this, it's just unfortunate that when you have, you know, Michael Chabon, Pulitzer Prize winning Michael Chabon uh, leading this show, you would expect... At the very least, the show should be more up its own ass, but really well-structured and focused on character, and that's not what's here. Like, I would be more... I'd be more okay if the show was boring, but I really liked the characters, even though nothing ever happens, and unfortunately, the opposite is true. A lot of things happen that don't necessarily make sense, and a lot of characters just get kind of get jumbled together at the end. Um... So anyway, uh, Picard, uh, if you like Star Trek, you're already watching it. If you don't, um, this is not anywhere near what you should be watching. Um, so I, I would say I've also, well, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Uh, we got a chance to watch Invisible Man. Um, yeah, we rented it on the TV with, through the, uh oh, everybody's like afraid of going outside thing. Um, and so I think that was really good. Uh, I think Elizabeth Moss does a great job. There's a couple of moments in that movie that are kind of weak. Like there's a couple of choices that characters make where you're like yelling at the screen, but then where they take you because of that choice is really good. So when it was all said and done, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I know why you did this, but like, you know, it's like you, you gotta, we watched you fuck up the card trick, but in the end, like it was a really, there was another part of the trick that was cool, but like you fucked it up right, right at a crucial moment. And we all saw you do it. Um, so that was too bad. Um, I also got a chance to watch frozen two. Um, it's got, <laughs> it's kind of the opposite where, um, I, I think frozen two, I just, it was just kind of a rambling of, Hey, we made up some stuff for a really long time. Uh, but then the last like 20 minutes just is killer. There's some great wisdom in there where they take you is really wonderful. Some of the core messages in there are, are fantastic. I literally, there's a subplot. I'm just going to s- spoil this for you, uh, because I'm six months late. So whatever, but you may have missed this. So I'm going to talk about it. So slight spoilers for a subplot in frozen two. There's a stupid subplot in frozen two where, um, uh, Sven, I think it's Sven, right? The dude, dude really wants to marry Kristen Bell and Kristen Bell, like their, their conversations just like, he just looks like an idiot and their conversations just kind of keep fumbling and she keeps trying to trap him. And it's just, it's actually like kind of shitty. It's just a stupid subplot. Um, it's just there for the romance, but there is actually kind of a message there. But anyway, the way the scenes are written, just make him look dumb and make her look like, why won't you just let him talk? He's trying to be genuine right now. Why are you trying to trap him? Like, what? Um, but then there's a moment that literally happened, and I I teared up, and I paused the movie and rewound it and said, and my wife was washing dishes, and I was like, hey, you have to hear this, because some shit happened in this movie. Like, Frozen 2 just, 
like jumped way out of its own skin and did some shit that was crazy. And it's they they get together at the end and all these adventure things have happened and Chris and Bell has saved so, sort of saved the day. Um and she meets back up with her boyfriend and she says, "Oh man, I'm really sorry. Like I I was all over the place whatever." And he says to her, "That's okay. I understand. My love is not that fragile." And I died. Like that statement, "My love is not that fragile" is like like I would have talked about it in film explosion. Like that tying up a stupid shitty subplot about the way that people maybe think about their relationships or actually behave in their relationships and tying it up with a simple lesson for children that will hopefully guide everyone who sees it to a better relationship for the rest of my, of their lives. Like just to take a step back and go, Oh wait, I, you know what? This thing that I'm like behaving as though it's the end of our relationship and, and everything hangs on that. Nah, it, it's not that fragile. Ugh, I just died. I died. I thought it was so great. Um, rest of the movie is some silly nonsense and there's like a water horse in it that everybody thinks is cool. Um, but whatever, like it was mostly exposition, a couple of really good songs. I still think that Elsa is like a, like a shell of a character, but this one, Anna is great. Um, so whatever. Uh, anyway, um, we also watched a movie called Kitchen. Uh, it's on HBO right now. I think it came out last year or or recently, I have no idea. Hadn't seen it. Popped up on the thing. Um, it's got Melissa McCarthy, and it's got um, uh, Elizabeth Moss in it, and uh, another actress who I don't recognize. Um, but they are the wives of some gangsters, like Irish gangsters. Uh, long story short, don't watch this movie. I don't like the mo- I don't like this story when a master like like Scorsese tells this story so i'm definitely not going to like it when some dude tells this story it's a little different because it's about women and they're gangsters but at the end of the day there's no one likable in the movie um everybody makes choices that i think are shitty um things just sort of happen and you don't always necessarily know where the hell it's going i think it's terribly edited um like there's just there's a lot wrong with it so whatever um (laughs) uh and then uh so I'm just going to jump through a couple of last minute things here before I get to the end. Um, there's a, a handful of movies that I finally caught up on from last year. Um, some of them like might have impacted my, my top 10 list. You know, these are movies I've watched at home since the film explosion. Um, like Jumanji was, was really fun, but not going to be in my top 10. Um, Ford V Ferrari was, was really great, but I don't think it's as good as rush. I don't think it actually would have impacted my top 10. Um, I did get a chance to see Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, um, and I think it was wonderful. I think that probably would have, at least I would have thought about it. I don't know that I would have changed my list. I really loved my list this year, Um, you know, and especially since I gave number one to uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor the year before, like even putting it in my top 10 this year, like another Mr. Rogers thing would have just felt like, "Eh, do I need to do this again? I think it's a great story. And the fact that it's not really about Mr. Rogers is wonderful. Um, It's more about like showing you Mr. Rogers through the impact he could make um, through some small choices and and just a little relationship. Uh, I think that was really great. Um, But I did, I found a movie that would have fucked up my list hard for sure. Um, And that is bombshell. If I, 
If I had seen Bombshell before the film explosion, I guarantee you it would have been in my top ten. It probably would have really screwed up the upper five. I would have had to move some things around. Um, I'm probably a little notorious on the show for being the one to talk about movies as being important, and this is one of those. Um, I definitely would have screwed my list around and taken something off, but I don't even know what. Like, I... I mean, I guess I should have taken Alita off to to add one more, but I like having that on there as my ringer. So maybe that would have me- meant that a, a really good movie would have dropped off my list so that that way I could put Bombshell on there. It's a whole thing. It's really difficult to choose. But here's what I'll tell you is now that I've seen it, people got to go see or not go see. You're at home. Go rent Bombshell. You can get it on Amazon right now and rent it um, or buy it somewhere. Order it on Amazon. Have them ship it to you next month. Um just watch bombshell i think the performances in that movie are fantastic um you know the the makeup i thought was gonna like weird me out but they actually find a way to draw the line in such a way that like you just kind of believe that those are those people and i think some of those choices also give you some freedom to to not see the actor as much as maybe you would because they're playing a real live person um john lithgow is like the best villain since he was in Dexter. Like he's just great and disgusting. It's an unsettling movie to watch. I watched it with my wife and both of us when it was over, we like just sat there and talked about like how much we did not enjoy necessarily at least parts of that movie. Like it was just, it was a lot harder to sit through and made you a lot more angry, even knowing what you were going to watch. Um, it's kind of like the big sick, only this one is like hits me more. You should look at it that way. It's, it's because they're basically going to take this real life event, which is, um, pervasive sexism and, uh, sexual assault at Fox news and at Fox in general. Um, but specifically at Fox news, um, take that story that you kind of know but break it open and show you so much of the detail and and give you sort of a a a piece of it through real people's lives enough that you are um profoundly upset is maybe the right way to say it right in the same way that 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 uh the big or not did i say the big sick i meant the big the, the the big short um you know, in the same way that the big short ends and you you read all these things at the end where they say, like, this is what happens and all of this. And then you leave and you're just like, holy shit, like everything bad happened. Everyone was evil and everyone got away with it. Like, that's not OK. This kind of feels that way, too, where it's like, especially, you know, four years distance from it, like to see all of these things, to relive what was only four years ago of um, the things that that our president now, but then the things that that Trump said then, the things that these people at Fox News said then, looking at the way that Fox News is now through all of these things that we've experienced for the last few years, um, and to feel like man, all this shit has happened and. I don't know that I actually believe that any of this has changed other than, yeah, sure, you you, you fired one gross old man. Um, but is anything really different? Um, 
I think it's just a fantastic story. Margot Robbie does an amazing job, and so does Charlize Theron. Um, They're just absolute powerhouses in that movie, and I don't think there was any scene that I didn't think was just beautifully done, um, even when it was just disgusting and unsettling, and I hated it. Um, Yeah, I I just think that's, that's a movie that, is worth everybody seeing and something that you should definitely check out. So there's a whole lot of stuff I know that I've watched. I'm sorry, but Hey, it's less things that you'll have to listen to me talk about next week. Cause I was catching up over like, I don't know, like three months. Um, and hopefully it gives you a lot of stuff that since you're locked up at home, you can, uh, you can go check out. Um, so hi to all the other guys. Um, I, I hope, uh, you guys are, are also safe and having fun. I'm excited to hear, uh, what things you guys submit and I'll, Look forward to uh, to maybe chatting with you guys a little bit more next week. So anyway, um, thanks everybody. Everybody be safe and um, yeah, just uh, just enjoy a little bit of time at home as best you can. So uh, yeah, that's that's me, James, signing off. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.